Well, he is risen. He is risen indeed. Can I get an amen? I'm going to talk about today, we've been talking about who is Jesus, and not who did other people say that he was, but who did Jesus himself say that he was. Amen. We talked about, he said that I am the light of the world. Uh, we talked about that he said that uh, he was um, the way, the truth, and the life. And today, uh, we wanted to end on Easter by saying this, Jesus himself said, I am the resurrection and the life. Amen. You see, Jesus is in the business of bringing dead things to life. So I don't know what's dead in your life today, but I'm here to tell you that Jesus wants to come back in and he wants to raise whatever's dead in your life. He wants to raise it from the dead, amen, and give it new life. And so uh, that's we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about Jesus and how he rose from the grave, certainly because this is Easter. But I wanted to key in, too, before Jesus ever raised himself from the dead, he practiced on a guy named Lazarus. You, ever, you remember the story of Lazarus? And uh, Lazarus was Jesus' very dear friend. Uh, this was uh, Mary and Martha's brother. You may remember Mary and Martha more than you do Lazarus. Mary and Martha were the ones that talks about where uh, Mary sat at his feet and Martha was busy preparing everything, and there's a great lesson in that. Well, this was their brother Lazarus, and he was very dear to Jesus. This whole family was very dear to Jesus, and Jesus loved them very much. And his good friend Lazarus gets sick, and he dies and we're going to read that story because uh, I'm here to tell you today, uh, the Bible tells us this, that the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is the same power that lives inside of you and me. Amen. And so I don't know what you're, what's dead in your life today. Maybe your spiritual life is dead. Maybe you used to live for the Lord. Maybe you used to uh, be very faithful to the Lord. And just things have happened. The world has beaten you down. Circumstances have beaten you down. COVID has beaten you down. The conditions of this world uh, and all this depression and anxiety and fear has beaten you down. I'm here to tell you today that the Lord Jesus wants to raise the dead in you. Amen. He wants to raise the dead in the fear. Maybe you're dead in your fears. Maybe you're dead in your doubts today. Maybe you say, well, you know, I prayed to the Lord and he didn't answer that prayer. Now, I, you know my theory on that. My theory is this. He answers every single prayer. The problem is we don't like the answer a lot of times. And so we just say, God says no. And then because he says no, sometimes we just say, well, God didn't answer it. Yes, he answered it. You just didn't like the answer. Amen. So many times that's what the problem is. So understand that he is a God who loves you. He is a God who answers prayer. Sometimes the answer is no because you don't need that right now or you think that would be good for your life, but it would not be good for your life. You see, the Lord knows what's going to happen in the future. The Lord knows what's going to happen down the road, and so he knows whether you really need that or you don't need that. Sometimes I just think I need it, and the Lord says, no, you really don't need that. Amen. The Lord promised that he would meet our every need. He did not always say that he would meet my every want. Amen. You ever prayed for that Lamborghini and you didn't get it? Amen. Lord says you don't need that. Amen. Number one, you can't afford the payment and you sure can't afford the repair bill. Amen. And so you need to understand the Lord knows what you need and he will provide everything in your life that you need. But he doesn't always, he's not the big a bubblegum machine in the sky. Many people, that's what they want to they tell, call God, and we kind of want to disrespect God. The man upstairs, you know, the big uh, bubblegum machine in the sky, I just ask him and pull the lever, and he gives me whatever I want. That's not God at all. I mean, God is holy. God has one purpose and one purpose only, and that's not for your comfort. That's not for your pleasure. 
That's not even for your happiness. I'm sorry to burst your bubble today. But did you know that the Lord is not even about your happiness at all? That God says there is one purpose, that he may be glorified and that his name might be high and lifted up. Amen. And so we want God to be glorified in this place today. I hate to burst your bubble. Maybe you thought that Jesus was all about your comfort and your happiness, but he is not. Amen. Jesus himself could have lived a life of comfort and happiness. He was the son of God. He could have commanded anything he wanted to, but he chose to suffer and to die on a cross for your sins and my sins. Amen. And so we're going to celebrate that today. Let's start the story. We're going to look at the story of Lazarus. Uh, look at John chapter 11, verse 25. I'll give you the kind of the main verse first. Jesus said to her, I am, this is at the end of the story, but we're, and we're going to come back to it. He said, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Now, listen, a lot of people struggle with this because a lot of people say, well, I'm mad at God. God let my mama die. God let my daddy die. God let somebody very dear to me and very close to me die. And I'm here to tell you today, I'm not going to downplay death at all, but I am going to tell you this, that death is a reality. Amen? Death is a reality. Even this guy we're going to talk about this morning, Lazarus, guess what he had to do? He had to die twice. Because even though Jesus raises him from the dead, guess what? He didn't live forever. Nobody lives forever. God says that death is a natural part of life. Now, he says, I have come that you might have life and that you could have eternal life. Amen? So Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and you can have eternal life beyond this life. But guess what? In this physical body, everybody must die. Unless the Lord comes back, I can give you a guarantee, 100% every person in this room will have to die. Amen? I wish it were not so, but it is so. And to be mad at God because somebody that you love died is really ridiculous because everybody's going to die. And you may say, well, I don't understand. God doesn't understand my pain. Listen, God completely understands your pain because God says, I gave my son so that you may live. Amen. I gave my son so that you may live, and he died for you, and he died on the cross, all right? So let's go from there, all right? Next verse, John 11, 1 through 3. It says, Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany. This was the town of Mary and her sister Martha. And it was that Mary, uh, it was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil, and he wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Verse 3. Therefore, the sisters sent to him, Jesus, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. All right. Uh, the one you love is sick. Now, here the Lord can identify with your pain because I'm looking at some of you today. And listen, with all the sickness out there, COVID, cancer, uh, disease, all kinds of things. I could probably say when I say the, the one that you love is sick. I'm probably hitting a lot of people in this room. The one that you love is sick. Maybe somebody you love very dearly has been giving, uh, given a sentence of sickness, and you can't understand it, and you want to know why, God, why are they having to go through that? Maybe that job that you loved 
is going away. Maybe you got laid off or maybe you got fired and you had poured your heart and your soul into that job and you don't understand and you say, God, why did this happen to me? God, it's very easy. God gets all the credit, but he also gets all of the blame too. Amen. God, why did you let this happen? Amen. Uh, maybe you need to go ask your boss why it happened. Amen. Don't blame God. Ask the boss why it happened. All right. But we tend to give God all the blame. Amen. Why did I lose this job that I love so much? Uh, the marriage that you dreamed about didn't quite happen. That touch any nerves? The marriage that you dreamed about didn't quite turn out that way. Now, can I tell you that the uh, happily ever after and the white picket fence, that's only in movies and books. Amen? Can I tell you that? That marriage on its best day is hard work. My wife puts up with me all of the time. Amen? Does she love me every day? No. Does she want to strangle me some days? Yes. Amen. But guess what? Love doesn't say that you're going to like each other all the time. Love is not an emotion. We think that love is sweaty palms and butterflies. Can I tell you that's only in books too, in movies. Amen. You know what love really is? And there's a book called this, and you ought to go get it. Love is a commitment. Love is a commitment. When I say to you I truly love you, uh, that's the day I say I am willing to make a covenant between you me and God. Not a, not, a, not a covenant that's to be taken lightly. I love you so much, I am willing to give you my all and commit to you, and everybody knows the vows, until death shall separate us. That's no small commitment, is it? That's a big one, all right? So think about it hard before you make that commitment. Many people enter into that commitment very, very lightly, all right? Maybe that, that marriage, it's failing. Uh, maybe that close friendship is coming to an end. Maybe your prodigal son or daughter is not living for the Lord, and they're doing things they should not do, and they're running off and uh, uh, getting in trouble. And I'm here to tell you, you keep praying for that person. You keep praying for that loved one, for that prodigal son or daughter, because uh, the Lord can handle them way better than we can. You know, the Lord is in the business of changing people from the inside out. All my nagging and all my yapping, I have found, unfortunately, don't change nobody. Amen. It only tends to aggravate. So prayer, prayer, prayer. What's the strongest thing you can do? Pray for your loved one, all right? All right, let's see here. Uh, John chapter 11, verse 4. says, when Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but it is for the what? For it is for the glory of God that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, wait a minute. That doesn't sound fair. Let me, it goes back again to my statement earlier. That God is only about him getting the glory and his son getting the glory. And you're telling me that this poor guy Lazarus had to die so that this story can happen? So that God can be glorified? Yes. Well, that certainly was not convenient or comfortable for Lazarus, was it? And let me tell you what happened. Uh, what ends up happening is, I'm going to summarize uh, verses 5 through 14. Jesus does not go right away. Jesus, uh, they hear that Jesus is uh, in another town, and so they send word to say that the one whom you love, Lazarus, uh, whom you love like a brother, he is sick and he is dying. And instead of uh, Jesus going, well, let's go right away, Jesus stays in that town for two whole days. Doesn't go. Doesn't move. Now, that, again, that seems kind of cruel. Why did Jesus wait two days? Because it was going to take him another two days to get there. 
All right? So he's waiting two days before he ever even leaves. And then when he does leave, it's going to take him two more days to get to where Lazarus is. And so, uh, you know, he just doesn't come. And Mary and Martha keep waiting on him, and he doesn't come. And then when he finally does say this, uh, his, his disciples are even trying to talk him out of not going because they're going to go back to Judea. And they tell him, the Jews tried to kill you there. Why do you want to go back? I understand you love Lazarus, but if you go back into Judea, they're liable to kill you because the Jews have already tried to kill you in Judea. All right? And so then uh, he says uh, this, Lazarus has fallen asleep, and I'm going there to wake him up. And the disciples go, Jesus, you have lost your mind. What are you talking about? Lazarus is not asleep. They're telling you that Lazarus has died. And uh, Jesus says, nope. He's just asleep. Now, again, this is a metaphor because Jesus uh, knows that, uh, that he's dead, and he's fixing to raise him from the dead. But why do you think he didn't go right away? Because, again, this story has to end with God getting the glory. Now, I want to tell you, maybe somebody say the guy had laid there dead one day. They would say, well, maybe he wasn't really dead. Two days, eh, okay. Uh, three days, you're really pushing it. You know what happens to the body once it's dead by the fourth day? Anybody know? It starts to stink. The body starts to decompose, and the body starts to stink. And the Bible literally says that before Jesus ever got back there, and this is from the King James, Mary says this, he stinketh. Amen. That's King James Version right there. He stinketh. I like that. Amen. That's just putting it as plain as you can get it. He stinketh. So by the fourth day, he'd already started to stink. Jesus wanted to make sure before he got back there and performed this miracle, there was no question, Lazarus was dead. Deader than a doorknob. Deader than a hammer. Amen? Dead, dead, dead. If you start to stink and your body has started to decompose, there is no question you are dead. So I want to give this to you today about what are some of the dead ends in your life, all right? What are some of the dead ends in your life? And we're going to use three different people in this story, all right? The number one dead end that you might have in your life is you are dead in your doubts, all right? There's a guy in this story, and you've heard of him before. He's famous for his nickname, and his nickname is this, Doubting Thomas. Doubting Thomas. Uh, Thomas was just always the guy who just was always doubting, all right? Let's look at the scripture, John eleven sixteen. 16. It says, Then Thomas, who is called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go that we may die with him. All right? So Thomas, if you'll notice right here, is not only a doubter, he's also a smart aleck because he's being sarcastic right here. Thomas says, Oh, okay, Jesus wants to go back to Judea. They, we just came from there. They tried to kill us. Let's all just follow Jesus and go die with him. So Thomas, not a real likable guy, all right? Thomas might have been saying what everybody else was thinking, but Thomas would just say it. He had that kind of person. I know nobody here does that, amen? Uh, Thomas did not have a filter. I know everybody in this room's got a filter, amen? But Thomas didn't have a filter, and so he just said what everybody else was thinking. Oh, yeah, let's just follow Jesus right back into Judea and let him kill all of us, all right? So, all right, um, have you ever had a spiritual doubt in your life? You ever, you ever doubted God? You bunch of liars, you bunch of liars, amen. There's those that have their hand up, and then the rest of you just polish your halo while I talk to the real people, amen. Everybody has spiritual doubts. Have you ever doubted God? Yes, stupid, everybody doubts God. 
There are many times God doesn't show up in your mind. God didn't show up. My loved one died. I know they were 99 and a half, but I still loved them, and it still hurt, and I'm still mad at you, God. They're 99 and a half. Give it a break. Amen? Listen, you've got to understand, everybody does not like what God does. Does God give you an answer that you don't like? Yes. Again, stupid. Everybody gets an answer they don't like. When I ask God for something, what do I want to hear? Yes, Mark, right away. Unfortunately, 99% of the time, I don't hear that. Most of the time, what I hear 99% of the time is, Mark, you don't need that. Mark, you need to wait. Mark, that would not be good for you. Mark, you think you need that, but you don't really need that. Mark, that would simply make you selfish. You would probably abuse that. Mark, that would not bring nothing but pain into your life. Mark, that would bring you a payment that you can't afford. Mark, that would be so expensive to fix, you couldn't even afford to have it because you couldn't afford to have it fixed. Why do most of us not drive the foreign sports car? Even if somebody gave you the foreign sports car, you couldn't afford to have it fixed, so it would sit in your driveway all the time. Do you remember the story of the guy, and it was right around here on Lake Palestine, that won the house? And then what did he have to do? Hello? He had to sell the house because he was poor and couldn't afford to live in the house. Man, I know we're hard-headed, but sometimes I know God just stands up there and shakes his head. Because God says, the reason I don't have this is because, quite honestly, I couldn't handle it. I believe God blesses some people with the ability to make lots of money, and they're very generous with it, and they know to ha- how to handle it. I'm convinced God don't give me lots of money because I know what I'd do. I'd go spend it all, and I would be spending it on stuff I liked. Amen? I would not be wise or smart with it at all. Amen? And so God knows, Mark, you don't need that. All right. So everyone here has prayed and has nothing happened. Have you ever filled... Like God doesn't care about you. Everybody in this room. There are times. It may not be all the time, but there, everybody in this room at some point says, I don't think God even knows I exist. Sometimes God seems a million miles away. That's why God in his word has to promise, I am near you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I am right here. You can walk away from me. You can try to run 100 miles the other direction, but I'm always going to be standing right here with arms wide open. It's your choice. God does not move. Who moves away from God? Does God move away from you? You choose to move away from God. Wherever you're at right now in your spiritual walk, it's because it's where you choose to be. You have chosen to be in that place. And I implore you and I beg you with everything I have today to go back towards him. I'm not telling you it'll happen overnight. I'm not telling you that it'll be a a magic transformation. But I'm telling you, you know what the word repentance means that the Bible tells us to do? It means to turn the other direction and start walking back towards him. Now, I'm here to tell you, here's the word for today that many of us need to hear. Many of you, and I don't know what it is in your life because it's probably different for every person in this room, but some of you need to lay something down, lay it down here at the cross, turn a 180, and start walking back towards the Lord and let him resurrect that dead part of your life. Amen? He is in the business of resurrecting dead things. All right? That was Doubting Thomas. Number two, maybe you're dead in your discouragement. Mary. Let's see what Mary said. In John eleven twenty. Now Martha, I'm sorry, did I put Mary? 
Uh, yeah, okay, yeah, it says Mary. So now Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Mary was mad at Jesus. Now, isn't it funny how things have turned? You remember the, the story about Mary and Martha? At first, it was Mary that was the one sitting at Jesus' feet, right? And Martha was the one who didn't have her head on straight. Now we get to this part, and Martha heads out to meet Jesus, even though she doesn't think he's showing up on time because her brother's been dead for four days. And Mary says, uh-uh, mm-mm, no, I ain't going to meet him. I am mad at him. We sent word. He knew that Lazarus was dying, and I am not going out to meet him. I'm going to sit right here in this house. I'm going to sit right here in my depression. I'm going to sit right here in my anxiety. I'm going to sit right here in my fear, and I'm going to wallow in it like mud. That's what we choose to do, isn't it? She let the depression and the discouragement get the best of her, all right? Many of you may say this, and I'm going to say again, if maybe I hit a nerve, but guess what? When I preach to you, I'm preaching as much right back at me, amen? So I'll try to step on my own toes. Maybe you say this today, I will always be de depressed. Did you know that one of the, I believe one of the biggest issues in the world today is depression, People are depressed all over the world. Maybe you thought you were the only one. Guess what? You're not the only one. People, depression is a worldwide, if you want to call something a pandemic before COVID-19 ever got here, this world was becoming more and more depressed. This world had more and more anxiety, and it keeps getting more and more anxiety. This world lives in fear, and it continues to live in more and more and more fear. And I'm here to tell you, the Bible, read the back of the book. We do win in the end, but I will guarantee you it gets worse before it gets better. If you have anxiety now, wait 10 years. Well, Mark, I came to Easter service for a happy message. Where'd that go? Amen. I'm just telling you. I've read the back of the book, we win, but don't expect it to get better. It will get harder. But Jesus promises that he will have the crown of life who remains faithful forever to the end. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. So you've got to remain faithful to the end. Are we, are we all working towards heaven? Yes, it's the old saying. Everybody wants to go to heaven, just nobody wants to go right now. Isn't that true? We all want to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. Well, guess what? It, it goes hand in hand. Amen? And to have eternal life means that one day you're going to die. But guess what? In order to claim heaven as your prize, you got to die to get there. That ain't the happy message, is it? But I'm here to tell you, it will be happy the day you get there. Amen? So Mary says, I ain't going. I'm going to sit right here. I will always be depressed. Maybe this is you today. I will never have a good marriage. Have you seen that jerk I'm married to? Funny, but not so funny. I'll never have a good marriage. You don't know what I'm living with. You don't know what I put up with. Could I say this? And I'm not, I'm not downplaying anything or what anybody has to go through, but let me say this. It takes two to make a marriage work. It takes two to mess one up. And the only way I will ever fix, if, if my wife and I have problems, the only way I will ever help fix it is if I'm willing to look in the mirror and own my part of it. That's not a popular message, is it? But I'm here to tell you, that's a real message. It takes two to make it work. It takes two to mess it up. And I'm here to tell you, I got to own my part. I got to own my part. And if it's going to get better, 
I have to decide we're going to do a 180. We're going to leave it here at the cross, and we're going to walk back towards the Lord in our marriage. Amen? And that's the way it goes. That's the way it goes. Maybe this is you. Uh, I will always fail as a parent. You know, I was telling somebody uh, this morning. I was telling Jared. We haven't made this public, have we? Okay, all right. <laughs> well, guess what? I have now. Amen. Uh, Jared and Emily are expecting their first child. Give them a big hand. Amen. And Jared and I were talking about this morning. I said, and we were talking about the balance of work and family. And I said, man, when that when that kid gets here, you need to make sure that you you got that time spent at home and with the family. I know you got to provide. I know you got to put uh, money on the table and pay for everything. But I'm here to tell you. They grow up just like that, don't they? You look up and it's over. And you, here's the really hard part about parenting, folks, and I wish it were not so, but there are no do-overs. You get one shot to raise that kid right. One shot. And if you mess it up, man, it's hard to get it back. When I used to do youth work, and Brother Martin, you know, we can relate to this. When I used to do youth work, it was not uncommon for parents to come to me and uh, bring their little 17, 18-year-old little demon angel and say, uh, would you fix my child? My child is uh, uh, expelled from school, uh, is all the time down at juvie, can't get them out of juvie, they can't stay out of juvie, they can't keep their mind straight, they can't keep their body straight, they can't do anything straight. Fix my kid. And I'm like, you have lost your mind, amen? I, am not, I cannot fix that kid. Not at 17, 18, not even 16, 15, 14, amen? All the work on that was done where? Way back down here. And if you missed it, you just missed it. And the farther it goes along down this way, the harder it is to make a course correction, amen? So you better get it right, and you better get it right starting at the very, very beginning. Parents, that's my word for today, amen? Uh, maybe it's this. Nobody really loves me. Nobody really loves me. I'll never have anybody. Because then I say this, here's some encouragement. I've seen even crazy people find another crazy person. There is truly somebody for everybody. You just got to find the crazy person, amen? But it may not be to your liking. God's timing may not be to your liking. Could I say when you're in the waiting time, do the work on you. Be the person that God wants you to be. Be the person that that person is looking for. Be the godly man that godly woman is looking for. Be the godly woman that godly man is looking for because that's the only way you're going to have success. If you are a sorry, rotten, stinking dog, don't expect the godly woman to come around. Amen? You attract what you are. So once again, maybe you need to look today and say, whoo, I need to resurrect something. I need to come lay that dirty, stinking, rotten dog down here at the altar, and I need to turn a 180, and I need to start walking back towards God. Because you will never draw the goodness of God. Ooh, you will never draw the goodness of God until you turn it around and you become the person that God wants you to be. Hmm. I'll always have a dead-end job. I'll always have a dead-end job. You want to better yourself? Do it. Take all the steps necessary. My dreams are dead. 
Mark, I had a dream in life one day, and I let it die. Did you know that a lot of successful people, there's a lot of successful actors, and I should have wrote their names down because I can't remember them now. Uh, but if you go back and you research this, uh, Robert De Niro, a lot, of, a lot of the famous actors did not really get famous and really start getting into their prime. Some of them not until in their 40s and their 50s. Many famous artists did not start uh, becoming, become full-time artists until well into their 40s, 50s, 60s. A dream is never too late. And you don't ever have to let a dream die. It is never too late. I know a, a lady who went and got her nursing degree in her 70s. It was never too late. She just said, I don't know if I'm going to go get a job or not, but this was a dream I always had to be a nurse, and I saw it through. Amen? A dream is never too late to die. Amen? And then the third one, maybe you are dead in the delay. Now, Martha, this one's Martha. Martha, she said, I'm going to meet Jesus because I tell you what, I'm going down there to give Jesus a piece of my mind. Amen? Jesus, I love you, but I'm going down here to give you a piece of my mind. Let's look at it. It is uh, John eleven seventeen through 21. So when Jesus came, he found that he'd already been in the tomb for four days. Remember? Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. And many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Verse 20. Now, Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. You want to know why she's mad? This indicates she's mad. She hears he's coming down the road. She ain't waiting on him to get there. She says, I'm going to meet him, all right? She went and met him, but Mary was sitting where? Back at the house in depression, all right? And in verse 21, now Martha said to Jesus, and I want you to picture it like this. Martha getting right up in Jesus' face and sticking her finger right in Jesus' face. Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Now, Martha had great faith that whatever Jesus said, it would happen. She believed that Jesus was the Son of God. So she's mad at Jesus because she said, if you'd have been here, he would have never died. All right? Man. So maybe you are dead in the delay, the delay in life. I will never marry. Maybe you've been trying to have kids, and uh, Julie and I experienced this. We had three miscarriages before we ever had our first one. And we began to wonder, will it ever happen? Will God ever bless us with a child? And we, began, we had already begun to look at adoption and other things. Maybe the, that's the desire of your heart, the dream of your heart. And you just say, Lord, I guess I'm never going to get to see my dream come true. And so we, we get discouraged in the delays. We become dead in the delays. I'll never marry. I'll never have a baby. Uh, I'm too fat. Hello, preaching the choir here. Amen. I will never be healthy. Uh, no, if you stand around and complain about it, you never will get healthy. Amen. What do you have to do? Again, you have to turn it around and walk back towards health and get up and do something. Amen. Uh, and if you, uh, you know, you may say, well, I will never be healed physically. Maybe you have an ailment and you say, I will never be healed physically. And I don't know uh, whether you will or not, but uh, pray, pray about it. Amen. I will never be healed emotionally. Maybe you deal with great depression, anxiety, and fear, and you say, I'm never going to get rid of this. And we live in a day and time where many, many, and you may think, I'm never going to be right in the head. I am emotionally a mess, and I will never be right in the head. Why don't you give the Lord a chance? Oh, I've tried that. Jesus. No, you came to church one time, dummy. Uh, that ain't giving Jesus a chance. Amen. Giving Jesus a chance is, like I said, get down here, lay it at the altar, and turn it around 180 and walk back towards Jesus Christ. Amen. 
that's giving it a chance. Many people are like, ah, I came to church two Sundays in a row. God didn't do it, so I gave it a chance. Nope. Nope. Amen. All right. God's delays are not God's denials. Look at John eleven twenty two. But even now, I know, this is Martha speaking, even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give it to you. She knew who he was. Martha knew. As mad as she was at Jesus, she knew he was exactly who he said he was. She said, I know that whatever you ask of God, God's going to give it to you. All right? Can I tell you this? Jesus is your hope. Can I tell you this? That whatever uh, Jesus goes before you to the throne of God, you can bet that God is listening. All right? So take it to Jesus. All right? If you are dealing with loneliness, he's your comforter. If you are dealing with confusion, he is the prince of peace. If you are having trouble financially, he says, I am your provider. If you are part of a broken family, he tells you he will put the pieces back together. Uh, Lord, if you mistakes you made, uh, life matters. Uh, cold and callous towards God. He can make your heart soft. If you are dead in your sins, which I can guarantee you, everybody in this room, the Bible says this, you are dead in your sins. And let me just do some of this too. You are dead in your sins. You need a resurrection. And today, Jesus wants to resurrect whatever's dead in your life. He said to uh, Martha, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Can I tell you this? The resurrection is not an event. The resurrection is a person. You notice what Jesus said? Jesus didn't say, oh, I can come and I can resurrect you. That's not what Jesus said. He didn't say, I have the power to resurrect. He said, I am the resurrection. When I walk into the room, dead things come to life. I am the resurrection. Amen? Jesus didn't say it. As I'm able to resurrect. He said, I'm the resurrection. And the last verse, uh, John 11, verses 43 and 44. He said this. Now, when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice. Why do you have to say it loud? You think dead people can hear good? Probably not. He said, Lazarus, come forth. The phone's ringing. Answer it. Amen. Lazarus, come forth. <laughs> Amen. Answer it. All right. Verse 44. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. What did he come out? Lazarus come out looking like a mummy. And again, he'd already started to stink. There's no telling what kind of shape he was in. His face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. Amen. All right. And then the last uh, slide says this. You aren't strong enough to move the stone, but Jesus moved it after they killed him, and he walked out. Amen. And the same voice that called Lazarus out is calling you out of your doubts, your fears, discouragements. If God can defeat death, then my God can do anything. Amen. Amen. I believe the Lord deserves a clap offered on that. Amen. He resurrects things. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes, and I want you to understand Jesus desires to resurrect something in everybody in this room today, and uh, I always want to give you the opportunity. Maybe I don't know where you're at, again, in your spiritual walk, but the Lord says, I've never moved. I'm right here. I'm right here with my arms wide open, and maybe today you need a fresh start. 
Maybe it would be a start for the very first time. Or maybe it would be, Lord, I just need to turn around and walk back towards you. And I just need to recommit myself to you. I don't know what it is. It doesn't really matter. But I can lead you in a prayer because he promises he's never farther than a prayer away. Amen. So if you would, pray this prayer with me. If that's you today and you say, Mark, I, I just, I'm not in the right place where I need to be with the Lord. Would you just pray this prayer with me and pray it in your heart and in your mind. Say, Dear Jesus, I believe that I'm a sinner. I admit it. I'm a sinner. I'm a mess. And Lord, I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I am dead in my sins. Lord Jesus, I need you to resurrect me. I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart, be my Savior and my Lord. Every head bowed, every eye closed. It's not my desire to embarrass anybody, but I would like to pray for you. You prayed that prayer today for the first time or the second time or hundredth time as a uh, recommitment. Would you just lift up a hand? Would you just be honest enough to lift up a hand? Amen. Several hands. Now, I'm going to ask you to do something even a little bit braver. I'm going to ask you to just come walk down here and just say, just make that public. Just say, the Bible says that we don't need to be ashamed of him. He was not going to be ashamed of us. He was not ashamed of us on the cross. If you prayed that, if you just raised your hand, I'm just going to ask you to come down here if you would and just be brave enough to let people come and encourage you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? You raise your hand. I'm just going to encourage you to come up here and let people pray for you and encourage you. Thank you, sister. Anyone else? All right, listen to me. If you raise your hand, I want you to I want you to do this. I want you to be serious about that commitment. I want you to go home and I want you to turn a 180 and start walking back towards God. You've committed yourself to him. And I'm encouraging you if you raise your hand, please go home and do that. Amen. Maybe you're here today and you say, Mark, I'm just, uh, I struggle. I'm, I'm going to admit I struggle. And I'm going to be the first one to raise my hand. I struggle. Uh, would you pray for me to do better? Uh, would you just lift up a hand? Thank you. Thank you. Hands all over. I struggle. Amen. Father, we love you. And uh, God, I pray for these that raise their hand. God, would you help us in our struggles? Would you help us to resurrect the dead things in our life, the things that the enemy has tried to steal, kill, and destroy. Uh, God, uh, just the things in our life that discourage us, that give us fear and anxiety, God. Would you just give us victory over those things? In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Ms. Teresa, turn around. This is Miss Teresa, and she comes today to uh, recommit herself to the Lord, amen, and uh, Give her a big hand if you would. Amen. And uh, I want her to stand here again, not to embarrass her, but I want you to be able to come and just encourage her, pray for her if you want to. And uh, Teresa, we're proud of you. It takes, it takes a lot of guts. Amen. It takes a lot of shed tears, and that's okay. Amen. Uh, it is good. It is good to cleanse ourselves. And so uh, I just want you to come and encourage Teresa and her decision today. And maybe you made that decision, but you weren't as brave as Teresa. And I want to encourage you today, please don't don't uh, put that decision aside. It's a very serious decision. 
uh, let it be the beginning of change in your life. What better day to say, you know what? I turned my life around. I started walking back towards the Lord on Easter Sunday, 2021, after the great pandemic. Amen? All right. So please do that today. And again, visitors, please uh, make sure you put your card as you go out. Brother Gary's got the basket over there uh, so we can send you a, a movie ticket to Times Square. Thank you for choosing to come here on Easter. I know there's a whole lot of churches you could have been at, and I appreciate you choosing ours today. Amen. Amen. Let's pray and ask the Lord to let us go out in joy. Father, we just want to go out in joy today. Uh, Lord, truly, as we leave this building, we are going out into our mission field. So, Lord, I pray that, God, you'd help us to live for you this week and to bring you glory and to bring you honor. And, Lord, we thank you that you are the resurrection and the life, and you make all dead things come to life. Amen. And we love you and thank you. We praise your name on Easter. Thank you for our salvation. Thank you for dying on the cross for us and rising again. In Jesus' name, and everybody said Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. Come by and tell Miss Teresa that you love her.